So Chris, when it comes down to love or respect, which one do you want? Oh, that's a good that. question. Man, <laughs> and you caught me off guard. Yeah, I know. I did that wow. on purpose. I think, honestly, love. Okay. You're going for reason, love. Yeah, and the, and okay. the reason why is because um, respect all sometimes, and, and I could be wrong, which I know you're going to correct yeah, me. Yeah, you could be. Um, yeah, we'll, fig- we'll, we'll figure it out, though. In fact, Dr. Uh, Eggrich yeah. here in just a moment is going to tell us both yes. how we've kind of l- slightly missed it, and he's going to correct it. Exactly. So go for it. So Give it your best one. I mean, love, because respect is usually tied to liking. Ah. And I don't care if you like me, Ooh. but you have to love me. Yeah, okay. You but see? you're not married. You're single. Exactly. All right. But love is not tied to marriage. Okay. It says, love the Lord your God yeah, with all your you heart, go. with all your soul, okay. with all your might, and love your neighbor. Yeah, well, you I'm know, your neighbor. Dr. Eggridge, <laughs> who's on with us today, is dealing with marriage. Yes. And the one thing you don't want to have in a marriage is for you and your wife to be neighbors. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that might end bad. Well, no, that but will end bad. <laughs> you don't want to be like living next to each other. You want to be living together. That's usually the best way that yes. marriages work. Yes. And Emerson Egerich is with us today. He's a internationally known public speaker, but he wrote the book Love and Respect. He said it's yes. two major issues that they did over 7,000, uh, what do you call them, surveys. Wow. And uh, they said it was the key thing. And every man in his marriage wanted to be respected, and every woman wanted to be loved. Wow. All right? So, you know, I think it's fascinating because we all want to be loved. We all, and, and most of us, except for you, would like to <laughs> want to be liked. You don't give a rip. Okay? Hey, when well, that's truth, fascinating. The truth causes you sometimes not to be liked. <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. causes you to. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, but his whole deal, I mean, this guy was a pastor for 20 years. Yes. And then he and his wife uh, really hit on this thing. He wrote Love and Respect out of basically their own church and working with people through their own stuff. And um, so when he, when he wrote this, he and his wife, Sarah, it, it was like they'd been married for a number of years. They had children growing up. Yeah. He writes this book. It takes off. And they made their very brave step of moving out and going, we're going to just take this on the road and do conferences. And they've done some of the largest marriage conferences in the world. Yes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. He's talked to NFL owners, uh, PGA players, all kinds of guys. Yes. All over the world, all different types of people. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, the New York giants, he probably helped them win the Super Bowl. Dude. I don't know. I I guess I wouldn't have done the interview if I didn't know that. (laughs) Shoot. And then Love and Respect is is a platinum book winner. Yeah. Sold a couple million copies. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing, too. He's wrote 12 books, you know, including New York bestseller. Yeah. Love and Respect. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm really excited. I I was so thankful that you were able to get a hold of him. Uh, We put this together this time. Yeah. He and I had an absolutely fascinating conversation. So I'm excited today for everyone to hear uh, our friend, Emerson Egerich. It's Brave Man with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. 
Hey, I'm with uh, Dr. Emerson Egerich uh, and talking about marriage and things of manhood. And this man is one of the leading world experts on all that stuff. I'm expecting Dr. Egerich by the end of this little time together, I will be awesome <laughs> as a husband. It's going to be unbelievable when I walk out of this studio. I, I know it already. Uh, you started, you're, not, you're not walking out. You're going to float out, baby. <laughs> you're going to float out. Yeah, you, you uh, wrote a book. You were pastoring, very successful pastor. You grew the church. You built an incredible facility on 70 acres there in East Lansing, Michigan. And then you wrote a book called Love and Respect, and that thing just took off. And God pivoted, if you will, you and your wife and your lives, your family, and uh, you've had an amazing impact. In fact, I'll just share it with you right now. Uh, the other day, because I knew we were going to talk, I played one of your videos. And my mm-hmm. wife is in the other room, and she goes, oh, is that love and respect? <laughs> she, she's in the other room, and I go, wait, I could be. What, what do you mean? She goes, oh, I love that guy. And right there, I knew I was getting a hint. I mean, right then, it's like, okay, all right, you know, so anyway, thank you. I guess what you do, uh, Emerson, is you build this amazing, perfect marriage, and then you write a book about it. Is that the way it works? <laughs> no, you you uh, write about all your mistakes and failings, and uh, but no, I think it came out of scripture, I, as you referenced, I pastored, and, and I saw something in the Bible that I hadn't seen before. And, uh, and then I've got my PhD in family studies and I saw some things in research that uh, echoed that and that kind of converged together. And it's a simple message that's helped a lot of people and men in particular. In fact, uh, when I wrote Love and Respect, uh, the publisher said, hey, we want you to write it to women. And I knew where that was going. I said, well, why? And, well, women, the ones, they're the ones who read the marriage books. Yeah. And I said, did it ever occur to you that the reason women are reading the marriage book is because you keep telling guys like me to write books to women. <laughs> Bam. You know, I said, wow. where in the scripture is a man disinterested in marriage? You're not going to see that psychological framework, which most subscribe to that women are the ones who, you know, are really, really interested in marriage, but the men are not. Right. Well, that's not represented in courtship. Uh, men are very engaged. So what happens? Do they become indifferent or, does he have a different mother tongue that she tends wow. to speak early in courtship, but then she stops speaking that later on and uh, understandably so at many levels, but biblically um, in Malachi, he breaks the covenant in Proverbs. She breaks the covenant. I went through every passage dealing with husbands and wives that wow. pertain to the Christ follower, both in the old and new Testament and uh, realized it's pretty even. Uh, the Lord doesn't have that and a, a tendency to kind of say that the man is all the problems and, and the woman, you know, is um, yeah. not contributing to that. Plus, uh, focus on the family sponsored us for four years and did a major research piece. And one of the findings is that 49% of those who initiate coming to our conference is the man. Wow. And so men are not really? indifferent. Men are not indifferent. But what happens, men feel beat up um, because we tend to say, you know, happy you know, wife, happy life. Yeah. Right, right, and, uh, right, right. So if you're not loving, uh, the reason she's not happy is at your fault. And there's truth to that, but that's not yeah. the whole picture. So we've tried to be fair and balanced. And I think hopefully also acknowledge what women feel very, I think, uh, accurately, and maybe why your wife references that, because we're very 
um, committed to representing her deepest heart right. as well. So that's been our mission. So tell me, uh, what's the nexus then of, of love and respect? What's the essence of it? Is that yeah, what you Yeah, the asked? nexus, the, the center. Yes, right. yes, that's what I thought. Okay. The, um, uh, I thought you said, what's next for love and respect? Oh. <laughs> but the, <laughs> um, uh, uh, the essence of it is based on Ephesians 5.33, where God commands a husband to love and a wife to respect. Hmm. And that's what I saw in that verse that I realized, well, no one debates that first part about loving a wife. That's just not right. a debate. But the idea of respecting a man, women have said, well, you know, he hasn't earned it. He doesn't deserve it. He's not superior to me. I'm not inferior to him. I don't feel it. And I'm not going to be hypocrite showing him something I don't feel. I'm certainly not going to subject myself to emotional abuse. I'm not going to feed his ego, his narcissism, which this is all about. I think you want to return to a male patriarchy. That's where this is really going. That's your hidden agenda. Yeah. I'm not going to worship the guy. But other than these things, I'm really open to hearing what you have to say about this. <laughs> and that's where many women are. And they're not mean spirited. They're really fearful. So I was up against, um, you know, some things when I saw this in the Bible, that what you and I as men, we serve and die for honor. That's why we go see the gladiator. That's why yeah. we go see Saving Private Ryan. We weep. We're not unemotional. We just don't get emotional about the things that women feel sentimentality about. But we, exactly. are, we are very deep, deep feelings. And uh, so I realized I was up against something. What men felt, uh, we, we, the honor code that we live by, and what women feel is totally different. Mm. And but as I got into that, I helped bring definition to that. But I also at this moment of meditation, I discovered what I call the crazy cycle that without love, she tends to react in ways that feel disrespectful to him. Without respect, he tends to react in ways that feel unloving to her. And thus was born the crazy cycle. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. And this baby starts to spin among people of goodwill. There is an ill will. And I always make the point that she needs respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and he yeah. needs L-O-V-E. But, so, but we've asked 7,000 people this question. When you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? And, uh, Paul, 83% of the men say they feel disrespected. Wow. 72% of the women say they feel unloved. So, again, she needs respect and he needs love. But at the end of a movie, you don't have the hero embrace the damsel and say, I want to respect you the rest of my life. Mm. And, and there's no card in the whole card industry from a husband to wife on the 10th anniversary to say, baby, I really respect you. Wow. So, you know, you follow the money and that'll show the true values, what people feel. And yes, she needs to be respected. Sarah will say, you're not respecting my opinion. And there are times that men feel in love, but within the nature of women is to nurture. Women love to yeah. love. God does not yeah. command her to agape love. There's no Greek word that commands her to agape love. Only we're commanded to agape love. Wow. Why? Because he put it within the nature of a woman to love. So almost every man on this planet, if you say, hey, Harriet, does your wife love you? Oh, yeah. Does she like you? No. <laughs> not today. <laughs> so the men are, unless she has said, I don't love you, and she's, you know, having an affair, most men are not insecure. We're, when a man is in a conflict with his wife, he doesn't feel unloved. He, he feels disrespected, and that's wow. why I just think it's crazy. And then he reacts in a way that he's not, he's not trying to be unloved. He's trying to do the honorable thing by de-escalating this thing. But we end up making choices. Women move toward the husband aggressively to talk. We need to talk right now. Yeah. She's still insecure, needing reassurance, but she comes across as disrespectful. Wow. He tends, his heartbeats get to 99 beats per minute. This has been documented. So he needs to calm down. It's not that big of a deal. Drop it. Forget it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So in our world, you and I, that would be honorable. 
because the relationship is more important than this stupid thing we're talking about. Right. So we disengage. So that's yeah. what we do for our wife, and she labels us unloving, and uh, we she keeps chasing after us, and we relabel her as disrespectful because no one treats me as disrespectfully as you do. Everybody respects me, but you. Now we have a huge misunderstanding between two people of goodwill who are confused. So now what you've done is, is you've, you've jumped in the middle of that and given us tools to understand what each other is trying to say. Correct. Well, first of all, uh, under what is the, what's going on? I mean, many couples. Yeah. You expose the thing. Yeah. Yes. They're having a conflict over how much sex they're going to have. They're having a conflict over how much money they're going to spend. And they think that the, the conflict is about sex and money. And in and of itself, it is. That's a real issue. But once I start coming across to Sarah's unloving, or starts coming across to me as disrespectful, now that's no longer the root issue. The root issue is I'm feeling disrespected, she's feeling yeah. unloved. So now we got two yeah. issues on the table, and many people don't know the root issue. Well, the root issue that's really the problem here is that she begins to feel unloved. It's not that she doesn't want to mm. uh, deal with money management, you know, but she walked away from you uh, because she was feeling so unloved, and now you're feeling disrespected, but, you know, it, and so I, our campaign has been to serve couples of goodwill. And, and, and so these happen to the best of couples. Wow. But there's this undercurrent of tension. And uh, I, so the first thing we try to do is help people understand that crazy cycle. And uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, I'm not trying to force the shoe on. But then now comes the second question. Well, given, yeah, that's us on a lot of occasions. How do we get off? And that then is where we try to provide tools uh, to decode and to do ways to, you know, manage that. You're not going to get off of it permanently because we have a pink and blue perspective. Sarah and I get on the crazy <laughs> cycle every week, but we know how to jump off quicker. Well, you recognize it. Yes. You immediately go up. In yeah. fact, uh, that was uh, your very first episode of your podcast a few years ago. And, and now has become uh, a theme in a book and so forth. It's called the crazy cycle. Right? Correct. Yeah, That's exactly. It. You know, Without it's funny. I, I thought it makes it reminds me of a conversation. We were on our way to the uh, Cowboys game and we were with some friends and we had breakfast uh, ahead of time. And, and uh, they were talking about a couple really having problems. And her whole thing was that he would shut down and wouldn't talk. Mm -hmm. And she said his shutdown moment was um, you're right. I'm wrong. And I don't deserve you. You know, you're right, I'm wrong, I don't deserve you. So my wife, Judy, turned to me and she says, we've been married 30 years at this time. She says, well, that's what you say to me. I said, I don't say that to you. You're right, I'm wrong, I don't deserve you. I said, what I say to you over and over is you're God's gift to me. I love you. She paused for a moment, looked at me, Emerson, and she goes, yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, man! I'm, uh, I, you know, I've never forgotten that whole thing because a lot of those things that we think are different as guys all kind of come into the. Well, a, a great couple wrote that book a number of years ago. Uh, Men are like waffles, women like spaghetti, and that whole spaghetti thing—it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. All kind of molds together there. You know, what is it, what is it that uh, if I had a tool, a couple tools, you know, because you do the podcasts, you do, you've got books, you've got uh, millions of people who follow you on Facebook, you're consistently putting out fantastic content, you and your wife minister together, what would be something that 
that you would say, and I'm just talking about the marriage thing. I want to get into the fatherhood piece in a minute, but in this marriage piece, what, what is it that you would consistently say? What words or actions uh, do you do that, that bring peace, fullness between you and your wife? Well, I think the key is for a man to say, is that which I'm about to say or do going to feel or, you know, loving to her or sound loving to her. Wow. And, uh, and it's not necessarily fair because the deal is we would literally die for our wives. You know, I mean, one husband said to his wife, you know, I love you so much, I'd die for you. She said, oh, Harry, you keep saying that, but you never do. <laughs> so even, even there, you know, he gets criticized. So, I mean, the, the idea is that, you know, you're trying to do the loving thing, but I think the issue is, okay, wait a minute. This isn't about how I feel what I'm doing. It's really about how she's interpreting that. And a lot wow. of times I, misrep I misrepresent myself, and therefore Sarah's going to misinterpret me. So when, for instance, 85% of those who withdraw during a conflict is the male, because the University of Washington studied 2,000 couples for 20 years, and they were measuring many variables, not the least of which was the physiological reactions. A woman can look like she's out of control, but her heartbeats are normal. He's stoic and sitting there, heartbeats up to 99 beats per minute. Wow. When you get up to 99 beats per minute, you're flooded emotionally. You're not going to engage it. You have to calm down. You have to withdraw. And that warrior mode is there to protect that woman in the event that someone comes in to kill her, you know, it just, that adrenaline shoots and we Bam. die. That's what's been happening all over America with these shootings. You know, people talk about toxic masculinity. No, you need to talk about virtuous masculinity mm -hmm. because all the men are dying. They're throwing themselves on their wives and their girlfriends, taking the bullet. She walks out, they carry him out. But, but the point is that adrenaline is there in us. And so when that gets triggered in a conflict, he's got to withdraw. And 85% of those who do that are men. And so why? Because he's trying to do the honorable thing. But in the research, the women said it feels like an act of hostility. Wow. So now we come to an interesting question. Is it an act of honor or an act of hostility? Wow. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> it just depends yeah. on whether you videotape in blue or you videotape in pink. Wow. And so one of the things that we have to do as men is ask ourselves, okay, we're doing the honorable thing, but does it come across as the hostile thing? And then we can dismiss her, which she ought not to feel that that's unloving because I'm trying to do the respectful thing. And I'm all on board with you. It's just not going to be effective. <laughs> you know, you, you can't dismiss that. So you have to give this woman who is a virtuous woman, a good woman, you know she is, and give her the benefit of the doubt that she has a vulnerability and a need where we don't. And so in my relationship with Sarah, if she's starting to deflate and, and I can see it, then I just have to say, okay, well, stop feeling that way. That's one way I could talk to her. Or I can then, you know, I have to kind of, I, I'm not trying to be unloving here. I'm trying to do the respectful thing, but, you know, we're, neither one of us are wrong. We're just different here. But let's let's talk about this. We got the issue, and now I'm now I'm going to probably have to apologize for coming across as unloving. I get that, but that wasn't my motive. Well, I know you're not trying to be unloving, but that's how it felt. Well, you go back and forth. And wow. on the flip side, the researchers found out that women criticize and complain, criticize, complain, criticize, complain during conflict, criticism, complain, and the men felt that's an act of contempt because there yeah. isn't anybody that does this. It just wears them out. But we know women are these nurturers, they do it because it's an act of care. So it raises that question, is it an act of contempt or is it an act of care? The answer is yes. It just depends on whether you videotape in pink or blue. Wow. And so the, the woman, even though you're caring, that does, you can be right but wrong at the top of your voice. And you can be <laughs> motivated, you can be motivated very well to be a caring person, but if your husband is feeling disrespected, 
then you got to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Or you can just say he's narcissistic. That profile on the internet fits you to a T. You can be dismissive. Or you can just say he has a vulnerability where you don't have. And once two people come to that realization where you see the spirit of your spouse deflate, she needs love like she needs air to breathe. He needs respect like he needs air to breathe. Got these respect tanks, left tanks connected by an air hose. When we step on their air hose, they're going to deflate. And so we can either tell them when they're suffocating and deflating that they ought not to feel that way. And at times, maybe they ought not to. But I have the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, if they're a good-willed person and they're deflating, then I probably am stepping on their air hose. Did I intend to? No. Did I intend to? No. But so, so then because I didn't intend to, should I tell them they ought not to be vulnerable? Well, if we do, tomorrow they're going to step on ours. And I hope, as a man... When we, she's coming, she's, the, the gestures of contempt, the University of Washington, when a woman's upset, her eyes darken, face turns sour, hand on the hips, scolding finger, the sigh, the roll of the eyes, and when estrogen kicks in, the word choice of contempt is incredible. But every woman will say, well, he should know I don't mean it. Or he, I'm really trying to get a message. Yeah, that he, yeah but in our world, you just stepped on our air hose, so we yeah, are vulnerable totally. to, to that. So does wow. this make sense? Makes yeah. sense. You know, loveandrespect.com is your website, loveandrespect.com. And there's all sorts of tools like this. In fact, uh, not only am I going to be awesome when we get done with this conversation, but I signed up for you. <laughs> you already are awesome. But I signed, you well, arrived, 40, we've done 48 years. We're, we're good. Uh, we think we're going to make a couple more. And uh, so, but the, but the other thing is, oh, you've got a 15-day uh, thing, email, seven emails, help sharpen. 15-day plan. 15-day plan. You've also got uh, the Love and Respect Academy. Uh, I mean, an amazing amount of tools. And so I would just commend everybody to go to uh, your site, loveandrespect.com, and uh, pick this stuff up. Hey, this is Chris. Let me take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul and Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network does special events across America and around the world. You can find all the information at cmn.men. Click on events. We also have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. Before we get back to the interview, please take the time to hit the subscribe button to help us continue to reach other men. Now let's get back to this powerful interview view between Paul and Emerson Egridge. You know, Steve Arterburn uh, told me one day, he said, um, he said, uh, internet searches, he said, uh, the vast majority of women's internet searches are the narcissism of men. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. And I also thought all the crazy stuff that's on the internet. You know, we could, so when you said that, it triggered that. She saw it on the internet. He fits the profile of a narcissist. Right, 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 right. But we have to be very guarded because experts like myself know how to communicate uh, profiles and descriptors and then draw conclusions that because he's that way, therefore he is this. We have to be very cautious. Jesus Christ did not go around doing that. And this profiling is deeply disturbing to me because mm. it's, it's, if this man would literally die for you, then he's not narcissistic. Now, that doesn't mean that he isn't independent. Jesus said a son shall leave father and mother. He's independent. And that there's an independent spirit 
men are more independent. We're more uh, separate. We're, we're more distant. We will shut down. And if a woman concludes that if you love somebody, you're going to talk about all your feelings, and he doesn't want to talk about that, then you could profile him as narcissistic and uncaring. Wow. And that is a misrepresentation, a misinterpretation, I should say, of who this man is. Uh, but, but so what's happening today in the culture of intimacy has become pink. So if a woman feels hurt, he's hurtful. If she feels offended, he's offensive. And I'm wow. saying that could be true, but we have to be very guarded here. He's not reacting to this situation like a woman. He's not saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I didn't mean to say that. Can we talk about this for the next 30 minutes? Yeah. He's not going to do that. You're, and I always, and here's how we appeal to him. And Sarah's the one that put me on this. Say, ladies, is this how you want your daughter-in-law to treat your son? Because wow. your son is going to be just like your husband. Wow. And that's when the light bulb comes on for many women. Sarah put me on this. Early in the conference, we say, ladies, we're talking about your sons here. And your sweet daughter-in-law is going to go and profile him as narcissistic because he's just going to shut down on her. He's going to be like a deer in headlights. He, he's not going to he, And you know that. You know that I, about your boy. Yeah, I'm telling you, I've, I've seen this happen. Uh, Dr. Eggerich, you're hitting something really strong because – you know, first of all, we, we like magic formulas. We don't like process. Just tell me three things to do and I'll just Correct. do them right now. And then bam, solves Correct. it. Or give me a pill. And, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, so we love these little uh, profiles because then we can put it in a box, take care of it, put it on a shelf, boom, done. And you're right, man, this is doing a ton of damage to men and to women because guys do the same thing. We're on the internet looking at stuff going, oh, hey, she's acting like this, acting like that. Oh, you know what? It says this. And, uh, and, and too often, Emerson, what I see is guys are just selling their stuff. So they're creating little boxes and then here, buy all the stuff in my box. And it really isn't about advancing, first of all, the kingdom of heaven, number one. Number two, it's not advancing uh, the gift of marriage. And so now we live in a world in which uh, there are more people living together than getting married in their 20s. We've got young men that wait, the average age of young men getting married in America right now is 29. Uh, we've got 28% of the young men who are 30 years old still living in their parents' house. And you've got this uh, emasculation, immaturity of men. What's, what's your take on that, uh, Emerson? What's your, what's your take right now on the culture of manhood? and particularly from the perspective of where we live in North America. Well, and, and we can come in, and I want to make a comment on what you said earlier and it, on the profiling of, of our spouses. And what's, yeah. it's, what's fascinating to me is that I'm going to put out a list here of my spouse being narcissistic, I'm going to, and I'm going to tell them, here, here, here are all these things. Now, why do we do that? Because we want to change them. Wow. And so, it, but we do it in a way that, let me tell you how bad you are, Really, wow. how this profile would suggest it's in concrete and never going to change. But I'm going to give it to you with the hope that you change. And one of the points I make is that we approach our spouses in negative ways with the hope that they're going to become positive. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we had this wish that 30 years into the marriage, one day our spouse is going to come running into the house saying, I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany. I got oh, it. What? I now know why you've been negative for three decades. Why? <laughs> to motivate me to be positive. How did I miss it? <laughs> That's fantastic. And so this whole profiling thing, I mean, it is, and it's really sad. Jesus Christ had a Judas and he had a Peter. And they, they, there was a period where Peter denies him. So he's kind of in that Judas camp. 
But isn't it a sad day if we called Peter a Judas? Yes, if we stopped the story right there and profiled him. That's right. And so I am so grateful for my mother. My, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad were not Christ followers. Mom came to Christ at age 53, dad at age 51. Wow. I'd already come to Christ. So my, my, my whole family came to Christ my freshman year Wheaton. I'd come to Christ two years earlier. And they were wow. watching me in the change. So I grew up in a non-Christian situation. But my mother, uh, it, it was this dynamo woman. And even then, she would say to me, like, your daddy died in the 1918 flu that we now are very uh, aware of. Uh, his daddy was 29. He died of the flu. He's a banker. And your daddy was three months old. Your daddy doesn't know how to be a daddy. Wow. Um, and, and she was very empathetic. But what I saw is my dad, my mom did not throw my dad under the bus and that she, she believed in his deeper spirit, even though my dad had issues. And I'm so grateful for that. My, they were separated. My mom, my dad attempted to strangle my mother at one point and uh, then they, they divorced, they remarried, then they separated for five years. We had some real trauma there. They changed later on. But my, my, I realized God did not view my dad as a Judas. Judas is a Peter and he comes to Christ and has a tremendous conversion. And even my mother knew that though my dad had issues at certain times and she got out of harm's way, she knew that in the overarching scheme, that was not my dad's heart. My dad had basic wow. goodwill and she was able to extend empathy and she was instrumental in my dad coming to Christ. Wow. And so I see firsthand, you, you, you don't subscribe to foolishness. You don't let somebody beat you up right. somehow. To, right, right, right. You know, we're, not, we're not talking about that, but we are saying, look, it's very important that we don't profile someone in the way that we're doing today, if that does not represent them, and especially if we're trying to do this to motivate them to change, it isn't going to work. So the question is, how do we appeal to a person? You appeal to a man, for instance, you're an honorable man, and I know you would die for me if I don't kill you first, but you're an honorable man, and I, and I need your strength right now. I need your help. I know you're the, a loving woman. You're, you're a woman of virtue. I, I, I'm not even... You're so virtuous. I mean, you're a good woman. You're a godly woman. You're seeking Christ in prayer. But we need to talk about this right now because the way in which you present this stuff to me, I just, I just shut down on it, and it's not fair to you. Can we come up with a different way of rules of engagement? Can we, wow. can we talk about these things differently? I know your heart, and if I had a stroke, you'd take care of me. You're, a, you're, the, you're, the, you're an incredible woman, but I don't know what it is. It's not that I don't like you. I feel that you don't like me. Wow. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, again, part of that is, you know, you can't just get there overnight. You, you don't just sit down and go, here, I got something to talk to you about. It, process, it, as you said earlier, it's process. It's exactly. incremental process. So where do you think men are today? What do you, how do you view uh, the spirit of masculinity, let's say, in, in uh, North America? Well, I think you've got a better handle on it than I do, and I'm deeply concerned about it. I think the issues... Uh, that you just surfaced uh, the softness and uh, but I think that's what's happened with these cultural voices you can't continue to tell um, men and even want to go on record that masculinity is toxic right and uh, at some point that our sons not begin to believe that and that uh, yeah and, and with a very and here again you see it the very attempt women want to adore a male they, they want to look up to the male they want that they long for that this is something within them. They want to believe in that man. They want, they want to do this. It's within their heart. They, the princess wants the prince to rescue her. That mm. theme and motif is never going to go away. All these movies out there now, the father rescuing the daughter. This is the new, because you take out of the wife out of that equation because there's too much uh, complexity sometimes with the wife. So they brought the daughter in now. 
to be rescued. But again, that desire in the woman to be rescued and to look up to her father and, and so on and so forth, that desire is within every woman. And so there's no question about that. But when you keep beating down the yeah. man in order to motivate him to be that, then you're, you're seeing the product of this that you just described earlier, and it's a sad commentary. Yeah, it is. You know, Camille Paglia, who's one of the top feminist writers in America, wrote in the New York Times, it seems to me it was 2009, and the headline was, Where Are All the Men? <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, well, hello, you, you sort of beat them all up. And yet at the same time, she was concerned about where are, you know, because uh, and again, it's this whole thing of men want to be valiant, men want to be warriors, but we've been told, like, for instance, this coronavirus thing we're in the middle of, you might be listening to this after we've gotten through it, but men have been told, go home and sit down, shelter. And, and so now the trauma centers of America are packed. Where I live for the first time in 40 years, the Women's Trauma Center in Tarrant County said, we can't take any more people. Uh, in France, it's up 36% uh, domestic violence. And uh, in, uh, in Phoenix, they've asked a couple churches to open up community centers as transition homes for women. So here's a man being told, go sit down, don't do anything about it. And yet within us is this solution-driven desire to be valiant, do something. And men are just twisted over that and, and uh, the other things of what they're being told masculinity looks like. And so, I, you know, this stuff that you're doing with love and respect and, and teaching us how to speak to each other and teaching, uh, you know, if you will, the language that makes my heart come alive, mm -hmm. you know, and for a man, sometimes it's just a touch. It's just, a, you know, like, like we would do with other guys, kick him in the butt or, or hit him or something. The guy, hey, way to go, man. Bam. You know, just there's little things like that, so nuanced, that means so much to a guy. It's, it's pretty amazing. But I would tell you that our culture has set guys up for a fall. And I think there's a evil intention. I think the enemy's trying to rip out the dreams of young men. You know, we talk about a warrior heart. We got to talk about young black men in America. And there's been, I think, an exceedingly great... Um, fight against uh, black young men in America by the enemy, trying to rip out who they are and what they were designed to be. And I think some of the greatest churches in the future will be uh, in the United States, will be uh, like Tony Evans, men of color. And, and so the enemy is trying to rip those guys out before they can go do damage to the enemy. And we've got to recognize this stuff, Emerson. So I, I thank God for the fact that your family, now, now let me go back to one thing though, the crazy cycle. Now, you talk about that in a family experience also, right? Mm -hmm. I wrote the yeah. book called Love and Respect in the Family as well, dealing with that family crazy cycle. Exactly. So what do I do about that? So now I'm trying to get the marriage right. And then I've got my kids over there. I'm yelling at them to come in. I'm going to do a family Bible study. You guys get in here. Everybody get in here. And pretty soon I'm at war trying to do the right thing. How do we how do we navigate some of that? And I know this is there's longer conversations, and, and you've got all these materials that help us do that. But give me well, a I couple think, things yeah, that I could head towards. All right. Well, I think one of the points you made, even about that single guy that's sitting there, maybe you know, who's not married yet, and is feeling like, wow, maybe I was sold a bill of goods here. It was one of the things that this message has done is caused men to get in tune with this root issue of honor, respect, 
Yeah. Um, Pat Riley had me come speak to the Miami Heat. Uh, he and I spent several hours talking about how men are motivated by honor and, yeah. uh, and have to feel their sense of justice and honor. And when there isn't a sense of justice and honor, uh, there's going to be a mutiny of sorts. But what's happened is that I think a lot of men have lost touch with what that is that drives them most deeply. Yeah. And if you, if you don't get in tune with that, uh, then you're going you're gonna to react to things that you're, you're going to make up re the reason that you're reacting. And what's also happened, though, is a man can't say you're disrespecting me because the response will be, we, you don't deserve the respect. You haven't earned respect. I don't feel any respect for you. And so what's happened to young men is they just shut down because it's been labeled as egotistical, what they're giving sentiment to. Wow. So one of my challenges to the young man is don't, don't be ashamed of that. That doesn't mean that you can tell everybody they're disrespectful or become unloving. But you've got to get in tune, first of all. I had a senator tell me that uh, when he listened to me speak, he said, for the first time in my life, I, I got in tune with what was driving me. Wow. Uh, I had another guy that went to Harvard and uh, he said, there's only two people in my life that didn't like me. And I never knew why until I listened to you. It's because they dishonored me. They mm. disrespected me. But I'd suppress this language because you're not supposed to feel that. Women need R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But you men, <laughs> no. So one, get in tune with that. And that's then leads to the, the segue into the comment in the home. We men are reacting. You've got to, first of all, know that, well, I'm feeling disrespected. So then the question is, are they intending to be disrespectful? Wow. And the, we talk about without love, children react without respect. It could be that my child is just feeling unloved. And, wow. uh, you know, I did something. And so they're reacting because they're insecure. Or they're just childishly irresponsible. You know, um, you know they just, you know, are being kids they're just and being so, kids you know, exactly it's exactly right i mean you, you tell them not to throw the ball in the house okay but now now you come in and throw the ball that you, hey don't throw any stones because you were doing it 35 years ago hey but you again, know what you distinguish. we talk about are they feeling unloved is this childish yeah. irresponsibility or is yeah. this open defiance and the open yeah. defiance is disrespectful but we've got to decode because without love they react without respect and when we feel disrespected we react without love but we have to then figure that out. If they're being unloving, then I need to not take up offense over what I think is their intent to be disrespectful. Wow. When instead they're just sitting, seeking, seeking to send me a message that they need me to reassure them that I love them. You know, I, I still get in trouble. Now that I have grandchildren, you know, I, I still get in trouble about uh, playing with the ball inside the house. <laughs> this is a true story, man. It just happened the other day with a basketball. And I'm showing my younger, one of the younger boys, you know, you dribble it like this. And she, you know, I hear from the other room, are you guys dribbling the ball? Which you can hear on our wood floors. And I yell back, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know, some of these things never leave us. But, man, that's such a – those are – I love the way you make things real. And if you will, it's uh, transportable because I can carry this into the next – peace and next conversation so i want to uh tell guys they need to uh get a hold of love and respect the book loveandrespect.com you have tools you have an academy you have a lot of online things um that guys courses guys can take and uh man you, you know i could talk to you for hours I, i'm absolutely fascinated by what you do and how you understand these things and how you actually make it clear and uh so I, I know uh, there was, um, there's one episode, it's episode 15, 
that uh, that I haven't listened to yet, but just the title of your podcast says six statements that inflame a wife when she's already upset. And it's like, don't be that guy sort of moment. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. And I love those sorts of uh, those sorts of things. I think for Judy and I, the thing that really uh, well, first of all, you know, people say, hey, you've been married 48 years. How, how do you do that? You go, well, you just do it. Uh, we were fully committed. There was, there's been iron sharpens iron moments. In fact, that's our scriptural uh, basis for our marriage. Iron sharpens iron. And yet at the same time, it was like, we're committed. We're just committed. There's, there's no other option. We don't work this thing out. But one of the things that we had to learn over, and it was like, uh, Emerson, I thank God for your ministry because, uh, and when we first got married, we didn't have a lot of this sort of stuff. It was more like, uh, just get your life right with God, you know, or go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting and pray it out. And, um, and we had to learn to forgive each other. And we had to learn to forgive with humility and actually mean it rather than, I forgive you, thanks, yeah, I forgive you too, bye. You know, I actually worked that thing out, you know, those, mm-hmm. those dark moments. and. Uh, I think that's a, an energizing thing for a man when he actually does that. The power of the life of Jesus Christ was his ability to say, I, I forgive you. You know, that strength would set us free. So thank you for the conversation. Um, and I love the way you present things, man. And obviously my wife does too. So she's been listening. <laughs> well, um, in, in, in closing, yeah, I mean, in closing, what you triggered there on the forgiveness issue and there's a component of forgiving each other for moral things. Right. But quite often, she needs to forgive him for going quiet and withdrawing. Yeah. But forgiving him, knowing this, that he was trying to do the honorable thing, not the unloving thing. Yeah. And so, too, when she criticizes and complains, she's trying to do the caring thing, not the, not the contemptuous thing. And yeah. part of the problem is we take up offense toward a goodwill person who he was trying to do the honorable thing. He wasn't trying to be unloving. She's trying to do the loving thing. She's not trying to be disrespectful. But we take up offense and have a resentful, bitter spirit toward him. And one of the things that I coach, that in these situations, really, forgiveness is far easier than we think. Once we realize that they didn't have ill will. We did not marry Hitler's distant cousin. (laughs) It's much easier to forgive. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, That's right. uh, Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, we just, you know, my, our prayer for you then, uh, Dr. Edgerich, and, and your family and your wife, uh, Sarah, and, is that uh, every place you put your feet will be holy ground. Everything mm-hmm. your hands touch will prosper. And that the Father will keep you deep within the favor of his love. Mm-hmm. And uh, really pray that as you do these things in the future, that greater uh, millions of more people on your Facebook, mm-hmm. greater foundation, mm-hmm. platforms, Hmm. You're already speaking to the NFL, NBA, uh, uh, military, uh, West Point, all these things. And I just believe this thing's going to continue on because what you're doing is so hmm. important. So thank you for living through the crazy cycle. Yes. No, thank you, Paul. You're kind. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you, brother. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Love and respect. Okay. Yeah. I have to change my decision. Yeah, can you, I have both? Yeah, can I have both? Well, that's the point. And I think that's what he brought out in this is that it really is both. 
and because uh, a woman wants to be respected, yeah. and, and yet you know we find that the Bible says for a you know for a man to uh, love his wife and for a woman to respect her husband. Yes. And so I thought it was fascinating the way he brought that out, and and the whole piece of of how we talk to each other. Yes. The words we use, uh, this whole you know everything we talked about, I thought was was really powerful. And uh, so uh, let me mention again, uh, their website is at, here we go, love and respect. That makes sense. Loveandrespect.com. <laughs> I said it a minute ago during the interview and then bam, I lost it out of my brain. Wow. You know, that's what happens sometimes. See, but another fascinating thing that I love about this, you know, and him focusing on love mm-hmm. and respect is the thing that he's really teaching on is the fullness of us. Yeah teaching us how to be full people. And I think that mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, we lean on, well, I'm strong in this area. Okay. But you can't, you know, I love in Amos, I believe it's three, three, it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And yeah. when you hit on that aspect of wholeness and fullness, that's when, you know, your life is changed, but not only your life, the people around you's lives are changed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. You know, the testimonies, he's on the website, loveandrespect.com. He's got all kinds of testimonies. People's lives have been changed. Marriages changed. I'm telling you, when you you change a marriage, it changes the future of the kids. Yes. You know? And so I think these are the kinds of things we have to really pay attention to. And you mentioned it at the mid-break. Make sure for our friends, go on. Or if you're not our friend. Yes. Right? If you're just a neighbor and not friend, (laughs) go on. The podcast here yes, and, and subscribe. click subscribe, mm-hmm. right? And yes. then also write something nice. Yes, write to your friend Chris. And, and <laughs> Right. And here's the thing. If you can't say something nice, remember what your mom taught you. <laughs> don't say it at all? Don't say it at all. Come on, man. Don't. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I mean. Shoot. Or you can send her, secretly send it to Chris yeah, and I'll, I'll pray for you. Chris <laughs> yeah. I won't tell Paul. Yeah, dude, this thing sucks. <laughs> I don't know why I listened to the whole deal. <laughs> like, if you thought it was that bad, why'd you stick around 45 minutes? Yes, right. right? So, anyway, great stuff, Chris. And um, really, really uh, love the guys we've had on. And coming up, Paul Coughlin, Jurgen Mathesius, uh, Javon Ruff, uh, Congressman Jody Heiss. Yes. And uh, having Ollie North on here was a great interview. And John Tyson, man, that thing rocked. Wow. Yeah, so the Brave Men podcast is just, has really just exploded man yeah you know guys all over i can't go anywhere without somebody coming up and going hey man i listened to you on the way to work wow or i listened to you uh you know uh late at night before i go to sleep that kind of stuff I'm like man that's that's just fantastic yeah and i love you know just watching you know how the holy spirit is breathing on this yeah no question man. you know it's awesome it's awesome hey uh thank you for being with us on uh, brave men today and uh, this podcast isn't about just looking at brave men it's about us becoming brave men because what you become is what god's most involved in so thanks for being with us today on brave men you've just experienced brave men with paul lewis cole paul is president of the christian men's network connect with paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men